you keep seeing a feather every time you take a step and walk somewhere, just take that as your little sign from the universe that you're on the right track. You know, start tuning into the energy of things and then you'll get your answers. Resetters, Dr. Mindy here, and I am on a mission to teach you just how powerful your body was built to be. This podcast is about giving you the power back and helping you believe in yourself again. Let's jump in. On this episode of the Resetter Podcast, I bring you the one and the only Danica Patrick. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Danica, and let me tell you a little bit about this conversation because... I'm not, I'm not joking. We went deep into a lot of different co- pieces of women's health that you may not ever hear on a podcast before. So the conversation was so to the point, so heartfelt, was all about women's empowerment because who Danica is, is a woman who did something that no other woman had done before. She is the most successful woman in the history of America in open wheel car racing. Her victory in 2008 Indy Japan 300 is the only win by a woman in an Indy car series race. She is a badass. She is a woman that gets stuff done. And as you will hear on this podcast, she is on an incredible health journey. So she brought me on to her podcast. It's called Pretty Intense. And I would go listen to it because we had a great conversation about women's hormones and fasting. And she brought me on to her podcast to talk about fasting, to talk about detox, because she had just gotten her breast implants out. And I had seen her all over Instagram posting pictures of this explant surgery. And I was shocked. I could not believe that a woman with that many eyeballs on her, with a, a woman of that level of fame in our country, was so vocal about getting these breast implants out that I wanted to talk to her about what that process looked like. So in this episode, you're going to hear us go through her toxic history. I think this is really important because I talk about concepts like the toxic bucket and toxins we inherit from our family and toxins we accumulate and how something that seems as benign as breast implants can start to tip our toxic bucket and we start to see things really emerge in our health that weren't there before prior to the implants. And I've coached so many women through this process that I know how emotionally depleting that decision is. And I know how physically and emotionally rewarding the outcome can be. So I wanted to bring Danica on to talk about that. But more importantly, what you're going to hear in this conversation is really how we as women can start to create an incredible customized path for our own healthcare. Danica, although she was raised in a very unusual, you know, upbringing, you'll hear she moved to Europe to do car racing when she was 16. Um, We talk a lot in this episode about what it was like to be a female in a male dominated car racing world. That was really interesting. And then what it was like to exit that world and what it's been, what she's been up to since then and how she's been approaching her health. 
There are so many nuggets of information in here. I can't wait to share it with you. You'll see it was very long. We went over time and stay through till the end because I know that Danica loves to talk about consciousness. I love know that she loves to talk about uh, extraterrestrial uh, beings. And so we went into that at the end. It's so flipping good. Such a great episode. Danica is such a joy and her healing journey will not only educate you, but will inspire you. And I hope that conversations like this give you permission as a woman, if you're a woman listening to this, to really step in to a different paradigm for your health because you are worth it and you are that powerful. So enjoy. Hey, Recenters, as we step into the new year, I am so thrilled to invite you on an extremely transformative journey with me in my Reset Academy. So check this out. If you're ready to kickstart your fasting and health journey, which I know so many of you have reached out to us and asked how you customize a fasting lifestyle for you, my Reset Academy is the absolute best place to be. So here's what you get in the academy, and I like to think of it in terms of a complete picture. So imagine being surrounded by people who understand your journey, who are passionate for fasting, who want to lift you up and will support you every step of the way. My academy is not just me, my team, but it is an incredible group of people that are all dedicated to building fasting lifestyles and supporting each other in it. This is why I created the Reset Academy. So when you join, you gain access to all the exclusive calls where my team and I share the latest insights, we answer your burning questions, and we guide you towards your health goals. That's not it. We didn't stop there. By becoming a member, you're not just investing in a membership, but you're investing in yourself. I am such a fan of setting you up to win this year. And my academy is the best place I know to do that. I want to keep you focused. I want you to customize this for you. And I want you to succeed at your health goals this year. End of story. So if you're ready to unlock your fullest potential and embrace a fasting lifestyle, join me. If it feels good, join me. And let's make this year an incredible year for us all. So all you got to do is go visit drmindypels.com slash reset academy to become a member. I can't wait to welcome you. I can't wait to see you on the Zoom calls. I can't wait to be in community with you. And most importantly, let's get your health goals handled and let's do this together. It's so much better together. Together. So that's drmindypels.com slash reset academy. Excited to see you there. Let me just say welcome to the Resetter podcast. I love it. I love all your content. I can only hope that this helps some people as that is the mission. Yes, totally. Thousand percent. So, okay, here's where I'm going to start with. So <laughs> I did a little research on you. I, I, I decided to Google you yesterday and, and learn a little bit about your upbringing. Um, and so my first question, I'm sure everybody asks you this is, how the heck do you get into car racing as a teenage girl? Like, can we just start there? How did that come about? Yeah. Uh, well, so my dad, so all the way back, my mom and dad met on a blind date at a snowmobile race. 
when they were like around 20. So my dad was racing snowmobiles and my mom was going to the track because she had a friend who was, who loved going to the races. And so actually that's who set him up on a blind date. Her name is Sue, which is why my middle name is Sue. So they went on the blind date, hit it off. And, um, I came along about 10 minutes later and, um, and, uh, they got married, had me. And so, my dad kept racing and he raced all the way until my sister was born, which was only two years after me. Um, and so we were looking for something to do together as a family to spend time together. My dad worked a ton and my mom stayed home. And so naturally racing was an option, but really it was somebody in our neighborhood that raced go-karts and that kid went to uh, school, went to our school. And one of them was in my sister's grade. And so she's two years younger. And so we went and looked at the go-karts, went to the racetrack. We Brooke, Brooke, my sister was the one who really wanted to do it. And I've realized in my older age now, not old, but older, uh, that I'm really up for anything. Like I'm just kind of a sure yeah, I've re- I've learned through some that. DNA testing that I have high dopamine receptors. So like <laughs> everything is fine for me. Like, let's do it. Yeah. So I, I said, let's do it. And, um, uh, and it turned out to be something that I was really good at and I liked doing, and I kept doing it. And my sister quit and in the first year. And so my mom did it for a little while and then, you know, that's just a contentious situation. And so (laughs) trying to race with my dad, my dad's super intense. And um, so then I kept going. And then when I was 16, I moved away to England. So I started when I was 10 and it was really just a way to spend time together as a family. Okay. And at 16, you moved to England to, to race. I did. Yeah. I lived there for three years. So, and you, so you dropped out of like school or you did school in, in England, like I only did school in England. I only did school in England first. So I went there and it was junior year and it was the first semester of junior year. So I couldn't drop out of school yet, or I didn't drop out of school yet. It was, I was gone half of that first semester. Like I was there for the first month, gone for two months and then there for the last month. And then, um, then I decided to go live in England full time. And so, um, so then I did drop out of school after Christmas that year. And, um, then I got my GED, my good enough diploma. Oh, you know what? Some of the most intelligent people that I've met doing podcasting are people that did not have traditional school backgrounds. Isn't that interesting? It's so interesting. And, you know, I think so much of school just creates this very linear thought pattern and the minds that I have fallen in love with are the ones that are like, just see learning and life in every aspect of their day, not in a book or mm-hmm. in a structured program like that. So I think, I think it's amazing that you didn't go to traditional school. Well, thanks for saying that. Um, I mean, of course I want my, my doctor who's cutting me open to have gone to school. <laughs> Um, I probably my lawyer, it'd be great if my lawyer, you know, had a good, um, you know, law education, uh, but there's just not many professions that really, I feel like are necessary to go to school. I think there's so much to learn in life. Not only do you learn about the craft that you're interested in, you get into it right away, you learn about it. But then on top of that, you get so many other life experiences too. In school, you're just there's still so few things that you're experiencing um, that you would get normally in the world. So I recommend if anyone's interested in anything, just get going. And on top of that, the only other thing I'd say is travel, like nothing grow up faster than travel. 
Oh, amen. Amen to that. Okay. So then my, I'm sure this is the second most popular question you get (laughs) is, uh, what is it like to be a woman in a sport like that? Like what, what was, and, and we're going to take that and talk about your hormones after that, but you know, no offense, but hormonally we're so different. I can't even imagine what your hormones were doing in that kind of male environment. Well, I mean, shoot, I was on birth control for most of it. So I'm not sure my hormones really did do anything. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know. I'd be curious if they really have much of a rhythm when you do, when you're on, when you're on um, birth control, control or not. But um, what was it like? Uh, My answer is I don't know any different. So like, I've never been a guy out there, so I don't know what that's like, but I mean, I think that it was just like all eyeballs, you know, meaning Mm. if it was a good day and it didn't even need to be as good of a day as another guy to make the news. Right. If I finished third, it was news. If Uh, I finished third, it wasn't the news, you know, so that's a really good thing. Um, You know, that's a positive. But also if I, you know, had a bad day or if, um, you know, I got mad or you know, had a little, little, little bit of emotion show, you know, that was also news too. And so, you know, there's both sides of it. And I truly chose to focus on all the good and I liked being different. I loved being different. In fact, I didn't like it. I loved it. You know, I didn't, I, I really was capable of dealing with that stress and dealing with the pressure and dealing with, um, the attention. Like it just didn't, I mean, I get nervous, but it, it didn't, it didn't derail me. It actually helped me like narrow in my focus. You know, um, and has, has many women come after you? Um, you know, God, when I was in IndyCar one year, I think there was like five of us out there in the Indy 500, which is a crazy amount. And, you know, last year there was none. So, or this past year, there was none. I I can't remember if the year before, maybe there was one the year before, but it's not like it's all of a sudden just been an onslaught of, you know, women that are out there. So, um, I, I don't, I don't think it, I think it's one of those things. It's like the stock market, you know, it's kind of just steadily going up (laughs) usually, but there's dips, you know? So it's like dips. So I don't know there's not that many out there right now. I think it's really interesting because I think as women, we're at a really interesting time in history. Yeah. I read a um I read a book uh earlier this summer. It was called The Dark uh The Dark Moon Goddess. And it was all about the matriarchal society. And so this is BC that there was we lived in a matriarchal society where women's intuitions, where ceremony, where connection mm. was really highlighted. And then we moved into a patriarchal society that we've been in, which has been very focused on this is the way a man does something. This is the way a woman does something and is very almost the opposite. We were suppressed our intuition. You know, we were hung for being ceremonial and thought of as being witches. And now I look at where we're going and the the world I see is a blending of the two. How do we, how do we blend those two? But when we blend those two, you have to say, you know, okay, well, are we going to see more women get into places like car racing? And are we going to see women on football fields and, you know, places where we typically haven't seen women, we're seeing women now, whether you agree with this or not in, you know, in hot, very high political places. And so I think what you did is a little bit the way I see it as this, this meshing 
of the feminine and masculine coming together in, wow. in a beautiful thank world. That's thank you for sharing that. And I totally agree with you. And I'm going to share, since I am such a hippie at heart, I was in Sedona this weekend and I did a past life regression. Mm-hmm. And the thing that I saw was basically that I was this like, like native American medicine woman. And mm-hmm. that I, was doing, uh, people didn't want to buy, or I was, they were not like selling, I, they weren't buying my medicine, my like herbs and tinctures and things. So then I just started doing ceremonies and that lasted for like 10 years. And then I, the men didn't like it because it was all women coming to ceremonies. And so in this regression, I, this is me visualizing this, by the way, this is, I've had regressions where people tell me things. And then I've, I, this was a re- regression where I told the story and, um, and I stopped, like, I just stopped what I was doing. Cause I was either going to be killed or I had to like go leave and I didn't know where to go. And so I couldn't keep doing it or else I'd be dead. But the message was, and this is why I'm saying it is that what came through so strongly was that my, like my vision of my life became so like dark, like gray, like there wasn't really a lot of substance to it anymore. And I just kind of died at like 40 years later, like 30, 40 years later, old, like 70 years old, just kind of like that. And so the point is, is that I died anyway, Mm, like because I wasn't doing what I was, should have been doing and what was natural and what was like nourishing and feeding my soul. I died anyway. Oh my gosh. So do what you love doing. Oh my gosh. I got chills. So, so this is, we're going to get into health here in a moment, but I just want to say that this is like my vision for women in general. And just, you know, and I know we have both men and women that listen to this podcast, but we, we live in this society that has created these little labels for us and containers for us. And so many people have a passion and purpose in their heart that they don't let flow out of them because of the way the society has taught them. Like mm-hmm. you're this color, you're of this uh, socioeconomic background, you're this sex. So these are the containers you go into. And what I want to see in the new world is that we have no labels, we have no containers, and everybody from the day that they're born is searching for what lights them up. And it doesn't matter their sex, their sexual identity, their social economic background. So I love that idea that you're going to die anyway. So if you're not doing what you should be doing, you're dead anyway inside. So you might as well do it. And isn't it amazing? Like I, you know, we've been working together for a little while and, you know, even just from watching your videos and, Mm -hmm. and getting to know you that way and, and then interviewing you, like the passion is so obvious Mm -hmm. and isn't it amazing? And I know you work your butt off. Isn't it amazing how, when you're doing what you love doing, that there seems to be almost endless energy. It actually gives you energy. Yes, thank It doesn't you. rob you of energy. It actually, and I've done both. Like I've done things that are, you know, take a bunch of energy and I'm depleted. And I've done the things that take a bunch of energy and I'm actually rejuvenated. Yes. And so, you know, like I can do five, six hours of podcasting in a day where I'm doing the interviewing, which is always harder. And yes. I can get done with it and be like buzzing, like high from it. And so I think that's another important message is that no matter what the energy level it takes to do job, if you're in alignment with what's really true to you and what lights you up, like you said, you have endless energy pretty much. Yeah. I I mean, we were, I was talking to a bunch of people, uh, hormone experts that were saying that, you know, you can see people who are dopamine depleted. They don't have all the resources to make enough dopamine, 
but they are super energetic. They're super passionate. And it's almost like once you start to identify what lights you up, you just keep searching for that wherever that is. And if it comes in the form of work, it's yeah. What a blessing. It's such a blessing. And then the other thing that I have to tell you, I was thinking as you were talking, so I was born in 1969 and I grew up in the, in the seven, in the seventies and I was the total tomboy and the sport that I loved was baseball. So I was the only girl out on the baseball field. In fact, I, I have a picture cause I grew up in Malibu. I have a picture of, um, really? Uh, yeah, of of Sonny and Cher watching a game because uh, their daughter that I think is now transitioned right to a man was on my team. This is this is oh what it was like God. to grow up in Malibu. But totally. Here, here's the funny thing is that when my hormones started to kick in around seven, I was such a tomboy that I was looking for a sport that had a female rep like figurehead, like somebody I could go and, and, and look up to. And at the time, the only feminine figure in an athletic world was Chrissy Everett. And so I saw her and was like, okay, she's athletic. She's a female. That's what I should do. And that I, oh. I, I switched sports to tennis, but I always yeah. look back at on that. And oh I'm like, God. It took one female in a pick in a figure in a big public platform to help me see where I fit in. But in the end, maybe I would have done something different if I had had more more positive female uh, uh, mentors in sports. So yeah, well, really there's interesting. you're leading the way in so many ways, but there's always going to be aspects of our life where we need some four minute mile people. You know, yeah, there you go. We're it in some ways, and other people are it in other ways. Yeah. And somebody's just got to do it first. And yeah. then all of a sudden, as the four minute mile story, somebody runs it and it's never been done. And then all of a sudden, that year, like 20 more people did it. Like right. it just needs to be put into the collective consciousness that it's possible. And then, yeah, changes things. Yeah. I remember my friend, actually, it's ironically enough, my friend who um, I was in Sedona with, um, she, uh, she told me when I first met her, I first had dinner with her and I was telling her about sort of what I did. And, you know, she, she didn't know a ton about it. And, um, she, but she did know she was aware. And, uh, she was just informing me that she's like, you didn't only just change like women, but men too, like Mm. the the effect on the collective that that had seriously. And we talked about that this week when we were together. And I'm like, yeah, when you said that it really made a difference because I didn't think about it like that, but but it changes the narrative for the, for not only someone like, you know, Chrissy for you, but also for men too, to be able to see what's possible and it changes their consciousness too. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so well said. So well said. And that's part of my new, the new earth I want to create is where we just are seeing that anything's possible. doesn't matter your sex, color, socioeconomic, whatever, that anything is possible. So, Okay. So now I really want to go into your health because I, here's what I'm going to tell you is that I, I watched you, uh, do your explant, uh, surgery on social media. And I, (laughs) that was like the first time, I don't know how you came up on my newsfeed. And I was like, wow, like not only getting an explant, not only, you know, are, do you have a lot of eyeballs on you, but you're like, um, fuck yeah, I'm getting these things out. And this is why. So let's talk about like, where did you figure out that toxicity might be an issue for you? And where did you start to see your health change that it really needed more attention? Yeah, I, 
I, I usually, when I'm telling the story, I can go back to the very beginning of when I think I noticed it, but I think it's more important because I didn't, I, I thought some things, but I dismissed it. So I actually start the story with why I went to the doctor, which was, I went to the doctor at the beginning of 2021, um, f- spring of 2021, because I lost my cycle. It like, got delayed a couple months and then I skipped and it was just kind of like, ah, this is probably a bad thing. Um, I also felt like in the fall before that, that was sort of like March time of 20, like January, February, March time of 2021. But, um, but like November of 2020, like I was like, you know, my body changed a little bit. I felt like I had gained some weight. My, like my hair is just yeah. not the same. Like, just just like things that I, How I'm old like, were you? I was, well, at that point I was 38. Okay. okay. Um, and so I was just like, you know, something's not right. I just don't like that. What's going on? Weight loss completely was like not possible. It just was like, just not possible. It didn't matter what I did. I mean, I remember uh, even in 2021 later on um, after I'd been to the doctor, I was like, I went on a trip to Cabo with some girlfriends and I was like, okay, I think I need a siesta for the liver. Um, Just like we did a boat trip one day and, and I just decided to not drink for like 30 days. And that would be enough to for sure, like change the body. Yeah. Um, and cause whenever you do that, you're also more conscious of other things like the food oh, yeah. and all the, other. I mean, it's just like you work out more, like it just tends to be a real, um, waterfall effect yeah. and nothing, nothing changed, like nothing changed. I didn't look any different. I didn't feel any different. And, um, and so I, I, you know, I'd started to really kind of dive into what could be going on. I did, I had my labs done. And the first thing that came through was that I had, um, uh, an underactive thyroid. And so I thought, Oh my God, this is it. I'll take a thyroid pill and everything will be fine. This is why I, my hair is not as good as it used to be. This is why I gained some weight. This is, this will be everything. And, um, and that didn't really, that didn't do anything. So after a couple of phases of increasing the dosage and nothing happening, my, this is just with my OB, I was like, Um, and my hormones were low. We checked my hormones and they were low. Mm -hmm. Um, he was like, um, you need a functional doctor. So I worked at the functional doctor for a while, but in the meantime of getting that functional doctor, I had, um, uh, my boyfriend at the time gave me an awesome book by Ben Greenfield boundless. And so I started like in getting interested in biohacking and all the things. And so, um, I was like, Oh, I'll interview Ben. And so I asked Ben at the end of the interview, when we were done, I was like, if I wanted to know, like, what to eat, when to eat it, how to work out, when to work out, all those kinds of things. Like, just like dial me in. It was like, all right, do these tests and then we'll talk about it after, which we actually ended up doing for another podcast. We just talked about the review, um, which might've been boring for people. It's interesting in that the information you get, but it's not your body. So, um, but it's still interesting to see how deep the information can go. Um, And so I had started getting all these tests, like stool tests, Dutch tests, like stools for like, you know, parasites and GI and just like um, all kinds of uh, your bi- microbiome, um, Dutch tests for hormones. I did a um, a blood draw for checking for uh, food sensitivities for leaky gut. Um, I did uh, a genetics test for um, certain genetic pathways. Um, I did a couple others. Um, there was like five or six different tests and, uh, oh yeah. Um, environment sort of toxins, mm-hmm. like, um, and then with my functional doctor, we added one more, which ended up being like a really interesting one, which was a provoked urine test for heavy metal toxicity. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. And I'm, I mean, that's how I got onto you was yeah. toxicity, yeah. like fasting and hormones all came later. 
Like there wasn't many people speaking about the process of detoxing from heavy metals. Yes. And, um, so that's how I got interested in, in you last year. And, uh, and, and so the heavy metal report came back and I had like through the roof mercury, like the threshold is five and mine was 170 and I had heavy met like thallium cesium and, um, lead and one other one. And then, uh, mercury was all elevated. There was one I'm trying to remember because I wondered cadmium. I want to say, I wondered if you got it from car racing, like from brake pads, uh, you and I, I talked mean, about that. There totally, was one that I was like, wow, there you, this came from an environmental, a unique environmental source. That's very likely. I mean, there were times in my career at the end, the last couple of years, I was getting migraines mm-hmm. and it would be easy to like trigger the migraine. Like, let's say I could get it anyway. It was rare that I would just get a migraine just from the driving, but let's say, I mean, I would, but let's say I had like one drink on Sunday night after the race, I would one and I would have a two day migraine. So it was very easy to trigger, like trigger that. And so I had, I thought maybe I'm getting um, carbon monoxide poisoning Mm, and I for racers. I checked my, I did it, but I checked uh, my, would it be my CO2 level before I got in the car. And then I got out of the car and immediately got on the golf cart and to go back to my bus, which is how it always goes, get out of the car and you walk straight to the golf cart and leave. Um, And someone was right there with the test to do it again. So I immediately did it after I get out of the car. And I think it went from like zero to three. Mm. And they were like, that's not a big deal. They're like, smokers are a 10. So I realized that, um, probably that's not the problem. Um, but that could have been the initial phase of some of that heavy metal toxicity, which when we loop in the breast implants, which I got when I was 32, like I had had them now for a few years. And so, um, that, that could have been accumulating in my, in my blood and in my body. Um, and in my, well, I mean, it goes into fat cells, right? Mercury and lead goes into lead goes into the bone or well, lead is more um, hereditary in the bone. bone. And so, you know, who knows? knows, but, um, but anyway, so I got that heavy metal report back and that was high. So I went through a phase of like doing, um, uh, gut rehab for 90 days, cutting things out of my diet, taking certain pills. I had a level, like a seven out of 10 dysbiosis. So like gut bacteria was not perfectly balanced. And so that I was doing that, um, that didn't help. I got biosis at the end of the year in November. Like these were tests done in the summer. So about four or five months later, my dysbiosis was 10 out of 10. Now I had another bad strain or another strain of bacteria that was unwanted. Um, We never checked my leaky gut again, because at the time my doctor was like, it's not going to be better. Um, And I was like, why am I spending 90 days doing all this stupid shit? Like taking yeah, that's, pills and that's not um, motivating. Yeah. That's not motivating. And she, but she, she, and I know that it's hard on the body, but she was like, you're running, you're training for the Boston marathon. This isn't going to help you. We need things to calm down. So um, my provoke test later in the year was better. It was better because I had done some chelation, but man, doing like chelation and um, running the marathon, like heat really gets me. Like, as I've seen recently, even like working out, being back in Arizona, um, because I spent two months in Indiana getting out of the heat, like my body. And also on top of that, now I'm doing so many other modalities. Um, it just, it's, it zaps me, but anyway, to get back on track, I did a whole bunch of tests in the summer, really got going on, you know, many different protocols, 
I tried um, then then at the end of the year, I, I got on to another doctor who was actually passed on to me by Ben Greenfield. And so then I did some NAD, like loading phase of NAD, like five out of 10 days. Crazy I tried. Amount. Yeah, that's a lot of NAD. And yeah. I felt it was hard. Um, it took like the, the I mean, the, the she came to my house to do the to do the drip. And I mean, it took like three, four hours each time just by the time she yeah. got here and got the IV and, you know, did the drip took a couple hours. Um, so, you know, that was time consuming and I didn't feel good doing it. I mean, you have to take Zofran. It's so rough. And yeah, then I mean, you you like one of the things that I love about you is you're like, OK, let me do everything. And I'm not just going to do everything a little bit. I'm going to just go all in. Like you, you yeah. definitely did everything. Like yeah. I did that, peptides too. Yeah. I thought peptides would help. Peptides yeah. didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, and so basically now you've heard me stumble along a whole bunch of tests and a whole bunch of protocols yeah, yeah. and a whole bunch of different things. And then finally, so now we're entering into early 2022 and, um, it was like February, January, February. And I just finally hit a wall and I was like, nothing helps. Nothing makes me feel better. And I was like, I just, I, for some reason started watching more breast implant illness, illness stories and videos on YouTube and following like, um, Instagram stories of people and watching their journey. And, um, I just was like, I got to get these out. Yeah. So I made a call in March. I remember I was on vacation in Telluride and I was like, hi, I'd like to make an appointment. They're like, okay, we're booking consultations for June and surgeries for October. And I was like, I mean, here we are in August and it's been done for months. So I, at first I was like, uh, and I don't know what to say, you know? So I'm like, well, we better get the ball rolling. And so, um, I said, if there's anything that comes up any sooner, please let me know. And so, um, so I was booked for like June and then an opportunity for, uh, surgery came up in, in June. And so I, I put a down payment for that and um, I hadn't even done the consultation yet. And then they said, I mean, I did get some little extra special service. And then I was going to say, you didn't pull the Danica Patrick card. I didn't pull it. They allowed, they they gave me the, and then they, I remember I was in, um, then it was May and I was on my 40th birthday. I mean, my goal for my 40th birthday, probably like anybody else in in their 40s, like I'm going to be in the best shape of my life. I'm going to I was in the worst fucking shape of my life. Like I was in the worst, like, uh, inside and out. And so, um, so I was on my birthday trip with nine girlfriends on a yacht in the Exumas and it was heaven. Um, and I'm like busy on the phone because they're telling me now that there's a May date, um, or sorry, an April date that I can get in for, um, Sorry, the the trip was in April. My birthday is March 25th. We went the first week of April and there was like an April 27th surgery date. And I was like, oh my God. And so I told them I have to leave eight days after the surgery because I had to go work the Formula One race in Miami. And I was like, is that enough time? And so then I'm in the back bedroom with my, I don't remember who took the pictures, maybe my sister, I don't remember, but I was like, Hey, I need you to take some pictures of my boobs. I need to send them to the doctor. They need to check and see if I'm basically like, like eight days will be recover. Yeah. Yeah. They need to size them up. Literally. And so I have like a sunburn line because I had like a tube top on and it was like day one and I'd got like a sunburn right away. And so I looked ridiculous, but I sent them and they're like, you should be fine. So, um, so the, so then I booked it for the 27th, got them out and immediately. So the, the thing was, is that 
I had my surgery appointment because again, I got in last second. It was at 2.30 in the afternoon. If I was better at fasting, I would have felt better all day. Yes. Um, (laughs) Very true. I got home by like five. And that night, I'm like, by time I finally kind of came out of the drunken haze from the drugs, like I remember I like touched my face and I was like, oh, wow. And like I had my own like oil was being produced on my skin for the first time. And I just forgot what it felt like. I I just... I just didn't even think about it. You know, yeah. I just, my scalp had been dry for years. Like I didn't, I didn't notice. Yeah. I knew to notice my scalp, but I didn't notice that. I didn't think about the whole body being in effect. Yeah. And so when that happened, I was like, oh my God, like my body's saying, thank you. And I woke up in the morning and I mean, we're like, 12 hours out from surgery. And I'm like, I've got drains because they that's just what I saw on drains. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Have to do drains. And I'm like, they're so small. Do I really? Um, yeah. my worst scar is from the drain on one side. And so um, so I'm walking around the kitchen and I'm like pacing in the kitchen, and my mom is here to take care of me. And I'm like, mom, I just I have so much energy. I don't know what I mean. Oh. Like, we should go grocery shopping. And like, so like it's like seven in the morning and seven 30, we're like at the grocery store and I've got a big sweatshirt on to like hide my giant drains on my body. And, um, I felt amazing. Like, I mean, the, the 48 hours, the drains came out because the, the, there was so little fluid coming out. I mean, that night, 48 hours later, I probably shouldn't have, but my mom and I shared a bottle of wine. Like, <laughs> you know, we played monopoly and I was like, like I was able to like do yoga shit and pull my, like put my hands behind my back and stretch. And I did an interview with the doctor. Cause when I, I, and obviously 48 hours later, getting the drains out and feeling so amazing was the day that I also shared, you know, I shared that I had done the surgery right. and I had no plans on, on sharing it unless it did something right. like I had been kind of sharing my medical journey a little bit. And I, um, and my curiosities about the body, but I was like, I'm not going to share anything until it works. And trust me, like I thought the gut protocol would have worked. I thought the thyroid medicine would have worked. I thought the peptides would have worked. I thought the NAD would have worked. I thought the, you know, I thought every protocol I tried would have worked every one of them and they didn't. And so it wasn't like, I just, I thought and I, so of course here comes the breast implants getting removed. And I mean, I think hopefully this works and it did like, that's the thing is, is that finally did something. And so I shared that and I was like, oh man, mom, should I, should I, should I do this? And, um, she's like, well, you're probably going to tell everyone anyway. And I'm like, (laughs) and so I just hit send and I'm so glad I did. And, um, but I mean, I was doing an interview with the doctor for good morning America, like you know, four days later because it had just caught fire. And um, I'm so grateful because there's so many people that have, you know, passed along their gratitude for it. And there's been really good stories since. Yeah. 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 And I know, I know, you know, this, like when you stand up and, and show, Hey, I'm making, drawing a line in the sand for my health and my health is more important than the size of my breasts or what they look like. You know, it really like you just give all women permission to reevaluate how we look a at bre- our breasts and b what we do to toxify ourselves for beauty and uh, that to me is the the biggest heartbreak that i have is that so many women in the name of beauty are destroying their mental and physical health without knowing they it's yeah. not it's innocent they don't realize what they're doing so i yeah. loved watching it all on yeah. Instagram. And I guess, I guess the like close the loop on the whole, like 
my symptoms, I probably can go back to, and it's also a good lesson too. I can track it back to probably 2018. Um, it didn't seem to do anything. I got them, I think at the end of 14. So 15, 16, 17, I didn't notice anything, but as soon as like the beginning of 18 hit, I felt like I had like an incremental, like, like I, I had weighed like 110 pounds my whole, like for, for so long. And then all of a sudden it was like, you know, five pounds, you know, I was like, Mm, Hmm, weird. It wasn't super noticeable on my body, but I knew it was there as a number goes. And I was like, Hmm, that's so weird. And I thought, well, I don't know. I was like, maybe my hormones are off. Cause that was what I thought. Like I, cause I would work out a little bit more, like change my diet, things that would totally make a difference and they weren't doing anything. And I thought, maybe my hormones are off. And then I just did the overpower things thing that I would tell anyone. Of course I told myself the same thing. And I was like, try harder, do better, push harder. This is just like getting older. This is just like, you've got to do more. And I'm sure that I completely, you know, drove myself into the ground by, you know, working out more, uh, stressing about it, period, um, eating less at times, like all those things are not going to help. And so if this I would have po- listened, was this, was this after the implants, but this is, yeah, you- this is after. Yeah. So this is like yeah. 18. So I got them. So it was about three years after I got them. Yeah. Um, and, um, I can, and my hair too, wasn't the same. Like I had like the super long, dark hair forever. And, um, it just yeah. kind of kept getting shorter because it just was kind of breaking off and not growing. Yeah, and right. I thought that was age too. So now right. I'm of the stance that I'm not fucking putting up with it. I'm not that old. It's not going to be this not. way. I'm going to yeah. live to 120. And if this yes. is, well, if this is a quarter, if this is a third of the way, no way, man. This uh, yes. there's totally a way, and um, I'm not putting up with the old age thing. That's yeah. not it's not Ooh. flying in my book. So, amen to that. I, oh my god, I have so many things to say on that. So, for starters, um, hormones. The hardest part about hormones is that you can't push through them. And let me tell you, as a Type A overachiever woman, like I have that same like mentality. Like push the pain away keep going head down. And, but when we're trying to bring hormones back into balance, it doesn't work. And it is so hard, which is why I like looking at it more like gas pedal break. Like we need to know when to put the gas pedal on, on all things with your lifestyle and when to put the brake on. And it's that break that's going to be the hardest. And it's, and, you know, especially for you, but for yeah. so many women, it's that we live in that, if we go back to this idea that we live in a patriarchal society that rewards work ethic and rewards success and pushing through. But when it comes to a woman's health, it's not a push on through moment. It's a investigative, investigative moment, which is really what I hear is that you were like, okay, what stone haven't I unturned? Exactly. And now we've got to figure out the gas pedal and the break for you, which will be maybe the hardest emotional piece of this for you, perhaps. Oh, great. Great. <laughs> just when I thought I had gone through the hardest stuff. Hmm. No, it's just, it's just, it's just a muscle that parasympathetic nervous system and how to nurture that is just a, yeah. it's a hard muscle to nurture. And it, I think as women, there's a way for us to, to be strong and push in. And then there's a way for us to be strong in our vulnerability and strong in our ability to say no and strong in the honoring of our hormones when we need more progesterone and we're supposed to sit on the couch and chill out. Like there's strength in honoring the hormone of the day and what's needed. So, well so that's, 
that's where we're going. I do, however, need you to come and handcuff me to the couch though. Okay. I, I so if you may. handcuff me to the couch. Yes. That would be great. I may. I always say that one of the things I would love to do is just take people and lock them in a room and fast with them. And I'll just hang there and let them fast. Cause I know the body will heal itself, but it yeah. would probably be br- pretty brutal. So I've teamed up with Tony Horton. Do you know Tony Horton? He was the creator of P90X, one of the most revolutionary at-home fitness programs. And we created together a new fitness program called Power Sync 60. And it is literally, this program's never been done. It is a revolutionary 60-day program for both men and women. So here's why I want you to join us is that we literally created PowerSync 60 with you in mind. So it doesn't matter if you're a cycling woman, a postmenopausal woman, or a man, one of the things I brought to Tony was that when we work out, we have to think about our hormones. And he had never done that in the millions of workouts that he's created in his lifetime. We also included a free bonus meal plan and a customized tailor way you can eat right for yourself. Also, of course, we put some fasting in there and it was a beautiful meeting of the minds. So I, it, this is like a passion project that I'm so excited to share with you. And in order to get it, all you got to do is visit drmindy.org and use the code PS60PELS. So PS60 and then my last name, PELS, P-E-L-Z, to get 20% off. And you get lifetime access to the program. So that's drmindy.org and you use the code PS60PELS to join all of us. I'm actually doing this myself right now. So come join me, my community on this incredible journey. I am so proud to bring this to you. Um, The other thing I want to tell you that I think is really an interesting part of your journey that is so consistent for everybody is, have you heard of the toxic bucket theory? No. So we're all born with a different size bucket of toxins that we can handle. Mm. And this is the where genetics come in. So some humans have these huge genetically big buckets and they can take so many toxins and they'll never have a symptom. And some humans have a very, very small bucket and your genetics determines your size of of your bucket. Then you inherit a toxic load from mostly mom. It comes through the matriarchal line. So because in the womb, all of her toxins went into you. And when she was in your grandma's womb, all the toxins went into her. So we start to see a pattern of toxins that get dumped into the human that you are. Then you come into the world and you accumulate your own. So the part of your story and where the breast implants really kicked in that I see is between that and some emotional stressors, your bucket tipped. And when your bucket got so high and it started to tip, then nothing's going to work. I don't care what parasite cleanse you throw at it. I don't care what, how many fasts you do. The goal is that we've got to empty the bucket and you did a great job taking the breast implants out because you, you stopped the barrage of toxins coming in. Totally. Now the work is emptying the bucket. Exactly. I kind of knew that would come too. like, but at least my body will respond. And that's the thing is that even getting some blood work done, like 13 days after surgery, finally, like there was a changes within my blood work. And so like thyroid came up just into normal range for the first time. And so 
I was like, okay, cool. Some stuff's going to kind of heal itself, but there's going to definitely be some stuff that I'm probably going to have to do some work for. And I might be doing the same work I did before, but at least it's going to make a difference now. So smart. It's so smart. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and then the other part of the breast explant that I think you and I've talked about is that when you remove the source, now you got to go and have I opened up the pathways, the detox pathways to let all that out. I mean, I love like the body's built. I love what you said about the body is built to, to live to 120. Like we're not meant to be sick at 40. So when we are sick at 40, there's an evolutionary mismatch. We are living in the most toxic time in human history, physically, mentally, uh, you know, chemically. So we've got to now go back to the true essence of your body. And then, you know, at at 100, you'll be dancing on tables and remembering every story. Yeah. 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 Thanks to you. And thanks to, you know, just science moving along and more information. I mean, look, there's, there's a, there's, there's a lot of things that technology is like, you know, maybe not the best for, but there are things that it's great for. And it's about having discernment of when to use technology and when to not. Right. Now, one of, I I asked you this question and you definitely have a a unique mindset. So, um, but what does it feel like to just have your breasts taken off? Like, is there an emotional, like, I can't even imagine, I'm sure you already went through this when they went in, but there's feels something very vulnerable about that experience. Did you, was it just, are you just black and white and you're like, I'm just going to do this and not think about it. But I think a lot of women struggle with that. You're going to take my, now we're going to take the breasts off and it's part of my identity. Well, I mean, I got them in the first place because I thought, well, I'm super fit. I'm lean. I look good, but I just don't have boobs. And I thought, you know, am I going to wait till I'm done with my career and however, whatever age that'll be. And maybe my body won't be the same. And then who can, you know, like I, I was like, man, if I could just kind of complete the package right now and I got them and I, I'd say the only I, well, first off, I'll just say, I didn't necessarily, I actually felt more in my body. I actually felt more somewhat insecure at times. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't really want people to notice them. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to have them to sort of like complete this like image in my head and to feel a little bit more um, feminine and Mm -hmm. sexy. So I'd say like in a swimsuit and in a dress, like where there's, you know, curves and stuff like you know, it was nice to fill that stuff out and it did look a little bit better. But when it came to like the actual like feminine sexy part, like I knew they were fake and I knew if anyone touched them, they were fake. And it wasn't, you couldn't forget. I never forgot. I never forgot ever. Yeah. And, um, and then when I got them out, I actually feel like sexier. Yeah. Ironically, like I actually, there's nothing to hide. Like whether I'm no don't want to wear a bra or whether and now I'm very small um or whether I'm in a in a swimsuit or anything like I'm like I don't care it's just literally how I look and then uh if someone were to touch them I wouldn't feel weird because it's just all I it's like it's not like I'm there's something there's no there's no mental barrier there it's just my body so I don't yeah. I feel more sexy without them yeah. and I actually felt less sexy sometimes to some degree with them in. So I can't say it really like checked my boxes. It didn't because I'm, I'm so look, and I'm a girl and I, there's a few things that I'll do to sort of like improve looks and 
you know, I'm not 100% natural, but, um, but I do like mostly natural and I like, you know, authenticity from the inside to the outside is important. And, um, and, uh, we just, you know, I think we're, we're in a point in time. We're definitely on the outside having, you know, looking like yourself. I think there'll be a commodity on people that actually look like a normal human being and look like themselves and look different from each other. Like someone that looks different, someone that has, you know, a different sort of expression or the the way the shape of their faces. It's like, now it's like, you know, filler here to like change things is filler here. It's Botox in these places to like move the face around. And, you know, I haven't said it, I do a little Botox, but like, maybe I'll end up quitting doing that because I, you know, maybe I'll realize that's toxic too. And I'm like, but I really like that one. (laughs) That does not make me feel more insecure. And I just do a little bit just right here. Um, but you know, um, I think that we're, we're definitely living in a time where, where, um, there's so much, like you said, more toxicity and disconnection from the self. And that does not create confidence. It lacks it. It makes you lack more of it because, you know, being yourself and being able to rock that is really, you know, ultimately the goal. You know, they, um, I heard recently that there, there's been so much Botox and fillers that they actually with actresses and actors, they're having to bring in some CGI to like make their faces move because, so they have to do post-production because their faces aren't moving. So they don't show like empathy. They can't show anger. I've even had some of my friends who have done Botox. I had a friend one time tell me, I don't think my kids know when I'm angry because I can't like make my head scrunch down. Mm. So I, I'm I trying. I, I mean, you know, obviously it doesn't do a lot, right? There you go. <laughs> but I have a scowl face quite a bit, so it's probably a good thing that I didn't. Yeah. I look more approachable. But I do. But to your point, I feel like we. This is for women. I'm going to go back to this new world for women because this is what I, I what I feel like conversations like this can create. Is I really want women to start to think about how we show up physically, mentally, emotionally, a lot different. And the, you know, I believe that where is the naturally aging person? What are they, what do they look like? I, I always tell my following, like, you can just watch me because I'm just going to keep going natural and um, I'm just not going to do all, but I'm also interested in stem cells and exosomes and okay, I'm willing to go down that path. Yep. But, but when you put a toxin in me, I'm not, I'm, I, that's where my brain shuts down. Yeah. My, my other question, and this, you tell me if, if this is too personal, but I got to ask it. Pretty much nothing um, is. Okay. So one of the things I've had, uh, conversations I've had at ladies nights, um, is about the sensitivity of nipples and the size of a breast. So what I think a lot of men may not realize, a lot of women might not even realize, which is oftentimes smaller breasted women have very sensitive nipples and larger Mm -hmm. breasted women tell me, oh, this is real breasts. They say, oh my God, my nipples are like numb. Like they're not sensitive at all. Hmm. So did you know they're sensitive? Yeah. Did you, did you notice a difference when you had the implants in where you, was there less sensitivity compared to now? Um, I don't think it changed too much. Um, Yeah, I don't think it changed too much, but there's always been sensitivity and my implants were pretty small, but I would say, I would say maybe, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're going to have to go. 
You'll have to go test that one out for me and let me know. <laughs> yeah, but, it's, it seems normal. It seems it seems good. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, that's interesting though that bigger, bigger breasted women would have less sensitivity. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, and then you, if you look at, okay, well, let's go back to how women, uh, the, the womanly, beautiful feminine figure is typically that woman who's got big breasts, but okay. Now let's take, let's just say, you know, what is it that you're, if, if she's a sex, if she's sexy with bigger breasts, that sort of alludes that she's going, you're going to be more sexy in bed or is going to have more pleasure in bed. And, and it would be something to conquer. And the way I look at it is like, actually smaller breasted women have so much more sensitivity that I have seen in research and in discussions than larger breasted women. I don't go know. us. Yes. Go us. I might just be a little bit, uh, biased because I sit in the small breasted uh, woman category. So. Okay, good. Yeah, I love it. I love so. having small boobs. Actually, I'm so like, so happy because uh, I mean, yeah, it's like you can wear all kinds of clothes too. Oh my when you have really big yeah. boobs, you have to be careful how revealing it is because it can look a little bit much. Yeah. But the less boobs you have, the more options you have. Yeah. And let's just talk about when you're working out. It's a sure. lot easier. Or if you can just draw, walk around without a bra on, like there's so many things that are so much easier um, when you're smaller chested. So yeah, that's my plug for that. Okay. Tell me what else, just so uh, people that are listening that are like, okay, I, I'm hearing you. I'm thinking about doing this. Um, you had the immediate change. What yeah. else do you feel like is a symptom that did not come back the minute you took it, at, took those implants out? that symptom changed for the good? Um, I would say my energy level came up. Like I naturally just had more energy. Um, like, and I mean, there's definitely a rhythm to your cycle and times where you're up or up and down a little bit, but I have more energy, more of the time. Um, my face kind of shrunk a little bit. So there was definitely like some uh, I, we've been working with the lymphatic system. So, I mean, it like lymph nodes and all through my upper body, especially, but, um, but I mean, lymph nodes went down right away and oh, wow. my face went down. Um, uh, like the oil on my skin and my scalp improved a lot. Um, and you know, blood mark, like markers, hormone markers, endocrine system, uh, and, uh, thyroid, those kinds of things all definitely started coming up. Right. So yeah. like there was definitely just generally like a, a biological suppression, like my right. body was just like, we're done. Yeah. And so that's come back. Beautiful. Um, those are big. Those yeah. Are, those and, are really big. I And yeah. I think that this is what one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on was just to help women see that sometimes we have to make tough decisions about toxic loads and we have to put a stake in the ground around our health. And mm -hmm. it's not always convenient, mm -hmm. but it's but it, some of the things that we do are so big and so helpful to the body that it's worth it. And yeah. so would you say that it's been, I, I, I'm pretty sure I know what you're going to totally say, worth it. has it been worth it? It's totally worth it. And here's the thing. Like I went to a lot of different doctors and I would bring it up. I've brought it up for the last couple of years. Like, oh, do you think this could be it? Shoot. I was even like working with a body worker that I, I use here in town. And, and I was like, I always had a hard time getting this arm behind my back. And like, mm. it always said that a lot of shoulder pain, like even to the point where I couldn't even do it like this one, no problem. But then this one I'd be like, and I was like, could it just, 
could it be weird? Like from my implants and like, I've been asking questions about them for a while. And, um, and, uh, the implication of someone, especially a doctor saying, yes, that's it is surgery. And that's a big burden, right? And you don't know their emotional connection to them. You don't, you don't, I mean, it's surgery is always a real thing. Um, you know, that's going under the knife is a, is a real thing. And so, you know, there's a, there's sort of like a responsibility for agreeing, saying that that's it. So I understand the discretion that doctors are, um, using to, you know, not discourage, but at least be in the, in the middle, but definitely there were a lot of doctors that said, you know, I don't think that's it. Let's try some other things first, you know, like they were very much in the middle, if not, not believing. And so what I would say is, is that through my own research and effort to watch stories here, look at the symptoms. um, And really there's like a, I'm really big on like the quantum field of information coming in and attunement uh, to information. Mm -hmm. And I think it's coming in that quantum field where it's not just like the word said, sometimes sometimes they trip a trigger, but also there's just like an energy with it. And so like, Mm -hmm. I just like attuned and resonated so much with so many different stories. And I would watch and I'd be like, Oh my God, that's Mm. me. And I would just feel it. And so like intuitively, as we're tying the loop from the beginning of the conversation, I was getting back more into that matriarchal, like energetic, like the emotion of Mm -hmm. things instead Mm -hmm. of that more masculine patriarchal sort of space we've been in, which is mental, you know, Mm -hmm. that's more mental and and feminine's more emotional. And I was tuning in to the, to the emotion and the, and the, and the physical reaction to these stories that I was having and it resonated. And I just like felt it strongly within my body. So no matter what anyone says, and I mean, I wish I had to listen to myself back in 2018 and, and like with the, it's your hormones, maybe Danica, I would have listened, um, listen to your intuition. And, Mm. um, that's what I, that's what I did. So this is not for everyone to, this is not to say everyone's like, you for sure got to go get your implants out. I think anything foreign should just not be a thing. Um, but there's also people out there that have had double mastectomies and they have like literally like divots and, Mm -hmm. and they want to have something. And so I understand with compassion that there are certainly situations that are much more serious than just wanting to look better. Um, so, uh, but to really trust that intuition, tune into it. And the more you, the more you practice tuning into that intuition across the board with everything going on in your life and following those, like looking at those things that happen, you're like, Oh, that's interesting. Like pick up on those synchronicities, pick them up, pick up. Like, you know, if you keep seeing a feather, every time you take a step and walk somewhere, just take that as your little sign from the universe that you're on the right track, you know, start tuning into the energy of things and then you'll get your answers. Yeah. Oh my God. Boom. Mic drop. That was good. Um, I, you know, I always say if I hear something three times, when I hear it the third time, I go, it doesn't matter what it is. My brain goes, oop, okay, that's a message from the universe saying you need to go study that. You need to follow that. I also have a place in my body that I feel it when something hits me on a cellular level and I'm supposed to do something. And it used to come in my gut, but now it's like 
literally on the inside of my being when I'm wanting to make a big decision or I'm trying to figure out how to move forward on something. If I feel the answer is right, I feel it literally in the core of who, who I am. Wow. Do you have, and that's what I I heard of what you just said. When you just said three times, like one of the, one of the responses, my body has to yeses when something is true is uh, my body will kind of get a wave of goosebumps and it's not real goosebumps. It's just like the cells going. Yes. Yes. It's like, it's kind of like goosebumps. Um, but it's like, yeah, and actually my body's doing it right now. I'm not cold. I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm just like, my body's having the, this yes system say, yes, alert me. So that's one of my really big signs is when my body just gets like a wave of goosebumps. Yeah. And, and I'm going to go back to where, where we started this. That's what in the matriarchal world, I think that, and I'm not again, leaving the men out, but I think that from a hormonal and cellular level as women, we that intuitive sense has been there and, and drives us. But when we're not aware of it, because we live in this patriarchal world, because when we're not aware of it, we numb ourselves out to it. And you, you could even look at it with like drugs and alcohol, like when somebody's living incongruently in their life and they're not following their purpose and their cells are saying, this isn't right. It's very easy to say, well, I'm going to numb you out because it doesn't feel good to keep having these messages come through my, through Mm. my being. Oh man. It makes me remember this, that when people are disassociated and cold and unemotional, it's not actually that they don't have an emotion. It's that there's too much. Yes. Oh, oh my gosh. Yes. And they try and tune it out. That's too much. They can't go there. It's too much. And can we just say that we live in a world where too much emotion isn't applauded? (laughs) It's not like people are like, oh, I love that person. They're so emotional. Like they cry sometimes, they're angry other times. But, you know, if we come back to the female structure, this is who we are. Our hormones, if you just look at our sex hormones, you know, one sex hormone makes us incredible, have an incredible gift of gab. The other sex hormone makes us want to go inner and not talk to anybody and gives us incredible intuition and might even make us a little teary. But we, when we moved into this patriarchal world, we have really gotten disconnected from that feminine vibe that is so crucial for our well-being. And mm-hmm. when I hear you say, I just had this sense, I'm like, yes, that's it. And that's what we need to get back to as women. And mm-hmm. that's where our health is going to start to move in a positive direction when we learn how to connect to that. But it's going to take some hanging around people like you and listening to stories like this to be able to really retrain that part of ourselves. Shoot, I'm still working on it. You know, right. I mean, and the thing is, is that that attunement to the self and feeling the emotions and really letting it let like feeling where it hits in the body and and the intuition about it that doesn't only just help like knowing like hormonally what to do that helps to know if you're in the wrong relationship that helps to know that if you're in the wrong job that helps to know that if a friend does not have the best intentions like like all of that stuff comes through the body. And so once you tune in, everything gets, you can, now you can have discernment when you watch TV and hear something on the news, like, you know, all of that stuff. It's like, you'll now be the lie detector test. Ah, 
so well said. That is so well said. That's exactly. And you'll know what food to eat. You'll know how long to fast. Like everything becomes a really visceral understanding. So, oh my gosh, I love that. Okay. Well, I could keep talking about this for hours. Um, I have, there's two questions that I end every podcast or one question I end my podcast with, but I'm going to throw an extra one, special one in for you. Okay. Okay. So are there, do we have extraterrestrial terrestrial life? And if so, what are they doing? Is that one special for me? Yes. Okay. Um, I was like, you <laughs> ask everyone that question. That's no, I don't, but I'm asking um, you because I want to um, have the conversation with you. So a hundred percent. I don't like, I think anyone that thinks that we're the only game in town, I feel like it's kind of, it's kind of a naive or narcissistic sort of thing to think like yeah. to think that we're the only thing in the universe. And we are just we are such an average to small like situation in the universe. Yes. <laughs> our sun is not amazing. It's not a big sun. Like yeah. it's just not amazing. Um, our planet's beautiful. And I think that that we're special and unique. Um, but I don't think that uh, we're the only game in town. So a hundred percent. And um, I think that, you know, I do. I, I mean, I remember I did, did an interview with John Paul DeJoria, who started Paul Mitchell and Patron and all kinds of. And he was like, we'll know for sure that there are extraterrestrials within the next sort of five years. And that was a couple of years ago. So how are we going to know? I mean, look, we've got the space program now and like all kinds yeah. of things. How are we going to know? I mean. One intuition. There's got to be. Yeah, there we go. And the then, women are going to tell us. I think our consciousness needs to reach, reach a certain point where we are accepting and not believing in all the propaganda that it's that there's negativity, because otherwise, if there is actually like a, an, an interaction, a meeting of, of, of a reality that we see, not just a knowing um, or some transcendental experience with them, um, I think that we're going to have to not think with hostility. We're going to have to be like, okay, there's benevolent extraterrestrials too. And um, I actually think that when I walk outside at night and I go let the dogs out and I look up to the stars and I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I'm like, but am I? Am I <laughs> if you come down here right now. And so, but I do think I have this belief that if there was some sort of meeting that I think that they would be able to make you feel so comfortable. Did you ever see the movie mm. Contact? With Jodie Foster and Matthew McConaughey. No. Well, at, at the end of the movie, um, it's her dad dies early and young in her life. And the movie kind of is um, pivotal around this, this situation. Um, and she sees him on a beach uh, and um, it's this spiritual sort of like she's on this journey and um, like through this. I'm not going to bore you with that. She sees her dad and she's so comfortable. And I think that they would be able to make mm. you feel comfortable in whatever situation. So yes, Ooh. yes, Did there's you... got to be extraterrestrials for sure. Oh, I, I, I mean, who the hell built the pyramids? Come on. Right. So, but then I wonder, are they, are they walking around in human bodies? Like, are we interacting with them and we don't even know it? I think that there are some that are much more some other entity than human. Like, I don't know. I know some people like that, that you're just like, Mm -hmm. your eyes tell me a story right now that is not yes. that human, like the yes. way you look through me, the way that, yeah, the energy yeah. that I feel. So um, yeah. I definitely think there are some, there's even more out there concepts um, of, you know, reptilians and things like that. But, um, but simply said, I, I think there probably are some, some bodies that are very much some other kind of energy. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, you let me know when you meet one and I'll do the same. Oh, I've met many. I just, I'm not for sure about it. Oh, when you're a hundred percent sure. So. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Oh my Done. gosh. Amazing. Okay. Now a more serious, more, uh, you know, tangible question. Uh, what do you have a gratitude practice? And if so, what is it? And in, in this year, in 2022, what are, what are you grateful for? We've been through two years of everybody complaining. Mm. And I feel like 2022 really needs to be a time that we celebrate. What are you grateful um, for this year? Um, I, I mean, when I lay my head down at night, I mean, I, I, I mean, I would call myself spiritual and not necessarily religious, but I think there's just something. So sometimes I don't always know who to address. I'm like, mm. God, source. I don't know, whatever's out there, (laughs) whoever's out there, higher dimensional frequencies. Um, I, uh, I, I, I'm, I always start off with all the things I'm thankful for always. And I'm not going to say that every night I put my head down at night and I, I pray every night, but many times I do. And, um, and I, and I'm, I'm grateful for, I, I list all the things I'm grateful for. Um, and I think that what I am most grateful for of recent time is, you know, there's a lot of things, but what I've really realized is that I have amazing people in my life, just like the relationships that I have, the friends, my family. Um, and I just keep collecting like mm. amazing humans. Yeah, like you you're one some. of them and, and so many others that I've met along the way in the last year or two, like just really special human beings that are, whether they're just like wonderful people or whether they have superpowers of like connecting with energies and the quantum world, whatever, like, or whether they're brilliant doctors or just whatever. I just feel like I've like, I've got so like the universe has really been blessing me with a lot of information and a lot of resources. And, um, and I'm really grateful for that. I, if I, if I'm curious about something or someone or some specific area of life, like people just start showing up to fill it in. Yeah. Yeah. You know, really they, cool. they actually say right now that the way astrologically, energetically, the way things are lining up, that manifestations are happening a lot quicker. Oh yeah. Time. And I, I, cause I feel the same thing. Like every day I'm like, oh my God, there's another interesting scenario here. There's another interesting person. And I don't know if we all were in hiding and now we're out and like, but, and I feel like a hundred percent aligned with what you just said, that there are some special people showing up with huge hearts that are entering into my world as well. And I wonder sometimes if it's that magnetic effect, when you listen to everything that you talked about and who you are and the journey you're on, I, I feel like, yeah, of course, amazing people are showing up because you're magnetizing them to you. You know, mm. you have an energy that is attracting them to you. The mm. non, the non-special people, the angry people wouldn't even gravitate to you because they'd look at you and be like, uh, I don't know, your vibe is not my vibe. Mm-hmm. So I think this is where I go. Let's all vibe at this higher frequency and we can start to change the world because yeah. it starts with changing ourselves. Yes. So, Yeah. Yeah, I, you're, you're totally right. I mean, I think that, you know, like attracts like, and the thing is, is that as I I mean, timelines are really sped up right now. And I think that that's part of it is just like what would have taken 10 years to kind of meet and go through transitions with all these people. It's happening in 10 months now. Yes, And it's just, I, I, time is this very interesting parameter of our reality. Um, but it's speeding up and, um, 
speak to anyone. It, just speak to anyone on experience. Like you can't say it. timelines are not fast right now. Right. Um, so as we're hurling through the universe, we're somehow reaching this sort of point in the universe where time is not the same as it used to be. Oh, and so, um, so yeah, yeah. yeah, it's speeding okay. up our, our growth and acceleration. And I think that there's something to be said for the collective consciousness to the collective frequency. I look at like energy and I look at like the world from an energy standpoint and just, you know, momentum. And about yeah. momentum. Mm, Wonderful awesome. Abraham Hicks. When I listen yeah. to Abraham Hicks, it's all about momentum and we're going, we're going the right way. There's other yeah. stuff going the wrong way, but we're also going the right way. And life is all about polarity and duality. And so, you know, yeah. just as much as things are spiraling out of control and crazy and dark and bad, there's also the other side of it. Yeah. Ugh. A thousand percent. So <laughs> thank you so much. This is really delightful. And a couple of things I want to tell you for starters, as a woman, Thank you for breaking glass ceilings. Thank you for showing up as a badass race car driver that showed what women could do. And then thank you for being so public about what you did with your breast explant. So you, I, I know you know this in your mind, but I want you to know in your heart that you've really made a difference for women. So appreciate you so thank you. much. Thank you. Thank you. I felt that. I felt that hit. And, um, you know, as I joked about afterwards, like, this is what famous for. Yeah, there you go. Sharing yeah. good stuff, sharing yeah. the journey and being vulnerable. I love it. I love it. And if people want to find you, your podcast is amazing. So I want to put a plug into there. Anything else that our people episode, get- people are loving it. Yeah. Um, yeah, the pretty intense podcast. You can just search my name. It's anywhere you find podcasts. Um, I also make wine, Somnium, Danica Rose, one's from Napa Valley and one's French and um, I have a candle company called Voyant um, that's very like intentionally curated. There are four different ones after my trip to Egypt last year. Um, yeah, I mean, those are some Love of the it. big buckets. Yeah. And yeah, I appreciate yeah. it. Thank you so much. Yeah, and no, thank you, Danica. This was amazing. Appreciate you. You're beautiful, beautiful person. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me in today's episode. I love bringing thoughtful discussions about all things health to you. If you enjoyed it, we'd love to know about it. So please leave us a review, share it with your friends, and let me know what your biggest takeaway is.